becoming a minority, we are facing uh, more skepticism and antagonism toward the teaching and lifestyle of our faith than we have in many years here in this part of the world. Uh, but there are Christians who deal with this every single day where they live, and uh, there are people who are tortured for their faith. Uh, there are people who are martyred for their faith in our world today. And if you keep up with uh, any of the publications, like Voices, for the Mar Voices of the Martyrs, uh, that talk about what's going on around the world, there are a lot of people uh, who hate Christianity in a big way. And how do we respond? So we'll talk about that starting next Sunday. We had a good group of people in Next Step classes last Sunday, and I know that some of them are here with us this morning. Uh, if you were in a Next Step class last week, and you aren't too bashful, would you just stand real quick so we can celebrate your progress? All the people who were in a Next Step class last week, come on, there was more than one. I know that there was a whole bunch. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's celebrate that progress. And by the way, our Next Step date for March is March 20th. And so go ahead and mark that down. March 20th is the date for Next Steps uh, coming up in just several more weeks. And ladies, uh, I know you got the announcement for Friday night, Saturday morning, the IF gathering happening right here at Centennial. And you'll be blessed and encouraged by attending. Uh, make sure you invite all your friends to come with you. If you have questions, there's going to be some ladies in the lobby after the service. And guys, do your best to help out. I've already been told next Saturday morning that I will be... Very good friends with an eight-year-old, four-year-old, and one-year-old uh, for Friday night and Saturday. So uh, even Autumn, who is usually my right-hand person in helping with the little ones, is going to the IF gathering. So dad's all by himself, and Sophie is being promoted to lieutenant. Um, she's going to help out, and we're going to get it done. I'm going to make sure it happens. So... And, but guys, help out the best way that you can, and uh, let's make sure we allow the ladies to come to this event. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This morning, we're going to read the passage for our final message of Get in the Game, and it is called Serving My Community. Serving My Community. Let's read here starting in verse number 19. For though I be free from all men... Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Paul here is forcefully and eloquently proclaiming in his letter uh, the greatest service that a Christian can do for his community. And uh, that is to share Jesus with them. Uh, the greatest service we can possibly do for our community 
is to share Jesus and hope and the gospel with them. And we live in an age uh, where many, many people who claim to be Jesus' followers have been deceived into making things that aren't the main thing into their main thing. And Paul had a singular focus on serving his community by giving them the truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, I love what he told the church at Corinth earlier in this same letter. He said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he was going to focus, he was going to concentrate on Jesus on purpose. Now, in every age of people, there are distractions and temptations that pull us away from this focus. Uh, if you're a child of God, there are millions of things that aren't the main thing. And uh, some of them may even be good things. But the main thing is the eternal souls of men and women, boys and girls. Entertainment is not the main thing. Politics is not the main thing. Pleasure is not the main thing. Education is not the main thing. Uh, the pursuit of being right about everything is not the main thing. Social media interactions are not the main thing. Outward appearance isn't the main thing. A good retirement portfolio is not the main thing. Success isn't the main thing. Career isn't the main thing. Sports aren't the main thing. Religion's not the main thing. And we're just getting started this morning, but I may preach a little here today. Uh, more, more than ever before, we have to be focused on what Jesus has left us on the earth to do because it's all about eternity. And nothing pleases the enemy more than so-called Christians who have absolutely no interest in the things of Christ. Uh, the enemy knows that he never has to be concerned about them. They've taken themselves out of the game by never being in the game. And so let's talk this morning about getting in the game, serving my community by keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, the notes are in your bulletin this morning. They're also on the YouVersion app if you'd like to follow along. And boys and girls, you have your own bulletin here today for family worship. Let's talk first about making myself a servant. Making myself a servant. Now, this is, this is just a really interesting wording and a, a really interesting format that uh, Paul gives us here. Verse 19, he said, Though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Right? Uh, what does it mean to make yourself a servant? Well, Romans 6 explains that before you're saved, you are the forced servant of sin. And there's no other option. You have no ability in you to overcome a sinful lifestyle and a wicked heart. You are literally a slave to sin. Now, you might not like it, but you can't do anything about it. Uh, you're dissatisfied with life. You don't have the answers for parenting or marriage or money. The, the only way out is through Jesus Christ and his gift of eternal life. And when Jesus sets you free, uh, I love the wording that Jesus said, when Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. And you go from being a forced servant of sin to a free soul in Christ. 
Now, the tragedy of this is that many people that have been bought by the blood of Jesus then go right back to being servants of sin. Uh, This time it's not by force, it's by free will. And uh, that's a whole other topic for another message. Uh, Paul reminds us that after salvation, God's Spirit makes us free to be the willing servants of God and of righteousness and of other people. Uh, Listen to this from Romans 6.18. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Let's summarize all this again. Before salvation, you're the servant of sin without any choice in the matter. After salvation, you are free from the bondage of sin, and you choose for yourself who or what you will serve. Now, Paul determined that he would use his freedom to make himself a servant unto all. He willingly gave up rights and privileges and freedoms to serve others for the cause of Christ. Now, this is completely alien to modern thinking, right? Uh, Modern thinking is all about my rights, my privileges, my freedoms, what I want. And instead of reading the Word of God uh, to have their lives shaped and molded to become like Christ, many modern Christians, uh, it's weird, they use the Word of God to pick passages where they can justify their own rights and privileges so that they can show everybody how free they are. They look at the Bible to find out what I can do instead of what I should do. And, and of course, this so often ends with them living back under the bondage of sin, right? Uh, you, you would not believe how many Christians uh, in this modern age, one of the things that they constantly say is, well, I have the right to do this, right? I have the right to do this. And uh, Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 6. He said, I got the right to do anything I want, but that doesn't mean it's expedient. That doesn't mean it's best. I remember when I was in high school, and there was a speaker that came into a youth conference where I was, and he got up and, and he preached a message called Right, Wrong, or Best. And I, it was from the passage in 1 Corinthians 6 about uh, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. And I still remember his illustration. Uh, he said, now, there are a lot of things that you can know it's either right or wrong, right? God even says it's black or white. It's totally right or wrong. And then he said, you know, what if I go and buy a pink Cadillac, right? What if I go and buy a pink Cadillac? And this is big old tall guy. They had a, you know, big old burly guy. What if I go buy a pink Cadillac? He said, is, is that right? Uh, and everybody, well, I don't know if it's right. And they said, is that wrong? And everybody groaned, yeah, that's wrong. Um, but really, it's, it's not wrong. It's just not best, right? It's just not the best idea. It's not the most expedient thing. And there are things in your life uh, where you can try to justify that it's right, but that still doesn't mean it's best, right? And, And there are a lot of people who take things that are good, that aren't best, and they waste their entire lives on the good, you say, well, how could you waste your life? It's on good. 
Well, if you had an opportunity for what was best, right? And God has given us the opportunity for what's best. What's best is to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And anything other than that means we have to set aside weights. We have to set aside these things that beset us. And, and so Paul says, look, I'm willing to give up my rights and privileges to bring one soul to Jesus. Now, that is so convicting to me. Uh, I'm not there. And I, I pray that God will keep shaping me until I am. But I know I'm not there yet. Now, now let's continue with the next phrase. He said, I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. That I might gain the more. Now, let's talk about risk versus reward. Risk versus reward, right? Uh, the Olympics apparently just happened this last couple of weeks. A lot of people, I guess, didn't watch any of it or didn't know about it. Uh, but sure enough, it was the Olympics. And can you imagine if you decided right now, uh, I want to be in the next Winter Olympics, right? And you think, well, what could I do in the Winter Olympics? And you know what I'm pretty sure that any of you could do? Curling, right? Curling. I looked at the guys who did curling, and they looked like the guy who lives in my neighborhood, right? Just, I mean, the, the guy, he's just out there, and he's got this big, you know, rock with a handle on it, and he just slides with it, and sure enough, there, there you go. And curling is the thing. Uh, but let's say you wanted to be a speed skater, right? Just so you could wear one of those fancy aerodynamic suits and uh, groove around on the ice, right? Now, you're going to have to make a choice re really early on on risk versus reward, okay? So if you want to be a great ski ska speed skater and you're going to go for the medals, if you're going to go for the gold medal, right, or, or even the silver or bronze, you're going to have to set aside some things in your life, right? Like Cheetos. Like Cheetos, they, they may not be bad, like maybe they're just puffs of air, really. Uh, but if you eat them all day, you probably won't be a very good speed skater. So, so there's a risk versus reward. Now, here's the problem when we think about risk versus reward. We usually decide to have what we want now instead of what we really want, right? So if I really want the gold medal, I'm going to have to set aside what I want now in this moment, okay? A bowl of ice cream or Cheetos or whatever sugary stuff there is out there. Risk versus reward. Now, when Paul talks about gain here, uh, it's not financial gain. It's not earthly notoriety or power. He's talking simply about gaining more souls for Christ. Now, what are the risks of making yourself a servant to others to bring truth to their souls? Let's just think about some risks. Uh, you may be rejected, right? And you probably will be. In fact, I know you will be. Jesus said you will be. Right? As soon as you start to take truth to people, you're going to get rejected. Uh, you may find yourself looked down on by the in crowd. You might be considered a zealot like Paul was. He was frequently thrown into prison for talking so passionately about Jesus. 
And if you think that day isn't coming, you haven't been watching the news. Uh, in Canada, Christians are already at the point where they risk jail time for telling the truth about God's Word. Uh, and that's just north of us, and the, a lot of the ideas are already here in our midst. Uh, does that mean we should stop telling the truth? By all means, no. We should keep speaking the truth of the Word. Uh, but we're quickly headed the same direction, and it was a risk Paul was willing to take. See, on the one hand, you may seem like a fool to people in the community when you show forth Christ. On the other hand, the benefits of being a fool for Christ's sake are all eternal. And Paul had told them earlier in the letter, this is so profound, he said, we are made a spectacle to the world. We are fools for Christ's sake. We hunger and thirst and are naked and buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless. Uh, being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We're made the filth of the world or the offscouring of all things under this day. And yes, those are the risks that come with making the main thing the main thing. Those are the risks of lifting up the name of Jesus when it isn't popular. It's one thing to lift up the name of Jesus at church when everybody's on your team. It's totally different to lift up the name of Jesus out in the darkness and to shine that light boldly and brightly. That's where the risks come in. Uh, you didn't risk much of anything by coming to church today. There's no pressure on you here for living for God. But you know, you're going to feel that pressure if you share Jesus at your workplace this week or you speak Jesus in your neighborhood. You might even feel pressure by living out your Christianity in your own house with your own kids, by making tough choices that move them toward righteousness instead of wickedness. Can you imagine being Noah's kids? I mean, good grief, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Can you imagine being those guys? Every day they went to school or the library or the drugstore to get a milkshake and people were talking about their dad, right? He's a crazy guy. He's a fool. He said something else that sounded insane. He's the guy outside of town that's building this big boat because there's going to be a flood. And what is a flood, they said. They never heard of such a thing. And it just went on and on and on. And the risks seemed to totally outweigh the rewards until that first drop of rain hit. And when the door of the ark had been closed by God, those same people who had mocked Noah and his kids were beating on the door to be let in because the ultimate reward was salvation, and it still is. And the risks melted away instantly, right? In the moment, the risks are big in the viewfinder. In eternity, the risks are so small you can't find them with a microscope. Salvation is the ultimate reward. And without Jesus, your family members have no hope. Without Jesus, your coworkers have no hope. Without Jesus, your neighbors have no hope. 
There is no earthly risk that outweighs an eternal reward. And Paul said, I've made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. I'm willing to be considered an absolute fool on this earth if I can just reach another soul for eternity. Then we go on to this section from verses 20 to 22, where he said, To the Jews I became a Jew. To those under the law I became like under the law. To those who are without laws, without law. To the weak became I as weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means. Let's talk about this third part, by all means. Now, when Paul was around Jews, he was willing to submit himself to Jewish regulations and expectations. Remember, he gave up his rights and privileges to gain the more. When he was with people who still lived under the Jewish ceremonial law, he kept laws that he knew without a doubt that Jesus had already fulfilled. When he was around Gentiles who lived outside the Jewish law, he respected their approach. When he was around the weak, he didn't flaunt his freedoms. Instead, he strengthened the people around him. Now, why did he do all this? Now, some critics read this and they say, Paul must have been confused about who he really was. Now, he treated all these people in different ways. And we should be the same with everyone. Well, actually, Paul didn't worry at all about who he was. He was only concerned about who Jesus is. And he treated all these people as souls headed into eternity. Souls worth doing whatever he could to reach. And as a result, he adjusted his lifestyle and his message to their culture, as long as it didn't break any scriptural boundaries. Uh, So here's a question. What would you do to save another person from certain death? What would you do to save another person from certain death? And I know some of you are thinking, well, depends on who it is, right? Uh, but, it, but if it's something you care about, the, the better question is, what wouldn't you do, right? Paul was willing to do whatever he could in good conscience to reach people with the hope of eternal life. And the people he was talking about were most often people he had never met. All things to all men. It obviously doesn't mean that we should violate God's word or water down the gospel. But other than that, anything goes. Uh, Jesus said to go into all the world with the gospel. He didn't set any limitations on how we do that. Uh, I love the quote from Jerry Falwell. He said, we should use every available means to reach every available person at every available time. He called it saturation evangelism. Uh, Pray as if everything depends on God. Cry out for the Holy Spirit to convict. And do anything you possibly can to introduce another person to his or her need for Christ. And uh, there is a New Testament urgency that we seem to be missing in the modern age. Uh, Our priority for evangelism has changed from urgent to convenient. And uh, we should be careful not to criticize the means by which some people are spreading the gospel if we aren't spreading the gospel at all. And we got to get in the game. If you've never shared your faith, there are simple ways to get started. And uh, by the way, I'll just tell you up front, 
There are no ways of sharing Jesus that don't require courage. Okay? They all require boldness. And we should consistently ask God to give us boldness, just like the early church did in Acts 4. Uh, and there are all sorts of things you can do. Carry gospel tracts with you. And we have some at Connection Point that present God's simple plan for salvation. Now, be a compassionate listener and guide conversations to Jesus as the Holy Spirit leads you. Now, share videos that highlight the truth of the gospel. Invite a friend to come to church with you. And by, this, by the way, this year, we have Friend Day on April 3rd. And everybody should advise, invite at least one friend to come. The gospel will be clearly and compassionately given. Uh, take Class 401 of Next Steps, where you will learn about sharing your testimony and guiding someone through the Scriptures to know Christ and develop faith-sharing habits and practices. Read good books on evangelism. Get your small group connected with uh, serving in a, in a way where you're reaching people for Christ. Volunteer in children's ministry and be teamed up with experienced faith witnesses. There are so many ways to get started. But as Paul said, by all means, the urgency of eternity calls us to get in the game. And it's amazing uh, how things that are personal to us become important to us. And we need to make this personal to us. Now let's read verse 23. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Let's talk about for the gospel's sake. You know, we're willing to do things for a lot of different reasons. For ourselves, for our friends, for our loved ones, uh, for gain or notoriety, acceptance or approval. But what about for the gospel's sake? How often do we do something purely for the sake of the gospel? The, the urgency of eternity requires us to make some choices that might seem hard now. They might seem like risks now, but the rewards are everlasting. And, and look, we're, we're in an age where we may have to set down uh, the phone for a while and make real connections with people who need the Lord. Uh, we might have to cut back on the entertainment, hide the remote from yourself, to pray with people and for people in need. We might need to set aside reading material about the here and now and pick up the eternal Word of God. We might need to limit the many, many distractions that families face in 2022 and read Bible stories and memorize verses with our kids. What will we do for the gospel's sake, really? You know, talking about the gospel an hour a week at church isn't going to have any effect on our community. We have to be present with the gospel the other 167 hours of the week. It's outside of our gathering here that we shine as lights to the community. Back in the old days when I was a kid, ages and ages ago, eons and eons ago, back in the dark ages before anybody ever had any fun, uh, when you left church, there was usually a sign above the exit door that said this, you are now entering the mission field. Right? I, I know some 
Theologians dismissed that sign because they felt we should bring the mission field to church with us every time we meet. Now, what if we just decided to do both? Invite the lost to come to church and go into all the world and preach the gospel with every creature. By all means, for the gospel's sake. Now, Paul went and talked to Jews in the synagogue. He went and talked to philosophers on Mars Hill. He went and talked to women down by the river as they washed clothes and prayed to their idols. He walked through the streets of the pagan cities and talked to every person who would listen. He witnessed to jailers and fellow prisoners. He shared Jesus with people on a sinking ship. He talked to political leaders about Jesus. He talked to barbarians about Jesus. He talked to young and old, Jews and Gentiles, men and women. Why? For the gospel's sake. He was convinced that eternity is real. And so he made himself a servant of all that he might gain the more. But what about you? Are you convinced that eternity is real? Are you convinced that people who die without Christ will spend forever without Christ in a place of pain and torment? Here's the faith challenge today. What are you willing to do for the eternal souls of people in your community? What are you willing to do for the eternal souls of people in your community? It's true that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord for salvation will be saved. But Romans 10 asks this question, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher, without a witness? God has called us, every single one of us, to be witnesses. God's children have been given the privilege and responsibility to make precious souls the main thing in our lives. And, and so as we finish up today... Just see if you can answer the question in your own heart. What is your main thing? What are you living for? And maybe God is placing one person on your heart right now, a person to love and pray for and interact with and invite. And, and so who is your one? Who's the one person that God would place on your heart to serve in this community? Let me pray with you. God, we thank you this morning that we could come to church together and be in a safe environment. And we pray for our brothers and sisters all over the world, especially in the churches of Ukraine today, that you would protect and that you would allow your Holy Spirit to empower them through these dark days that they might reach others with the truth and that you would help us to set aside our comforts to reach people here, to set aside our rights and our privileges and our desires to reach people here with the gospel of Christ. Pray that you do a work through us now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Love you. We'll see you soon. a place where